Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm Dave Walker, and on today's podcast, we're going to get a preview of a division opponent uh, up 85, as we like to say, or down 85, as they would uh, like to point out. Uh, of course, I'm talking about the Carolina Panthers, and I had to get this guy on here. He's been on the podcast before. Uh, he's one of my favorites. Um, he is the managing editor at managing editor at Cat Scratch Reader. Um, he is Brad Smith. Brad, thanks for joining me, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Dave. Yeah, this is uh, you and I are going back a little bit on uh, Twitter during the uh, respective games we were watching and sort of uh, commiserating that this Sunday was going to be like the misery bowl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I mean it the Panthers Falcons game is always insane, like mm-hmm. one way or the other. And just the fact that it's on Halloween, like that we could not <laughs> have picked a better day to play this game than on Halloween. I mean, it, this is going to be like, yeah, you guys are three and three. If I remember correctly, that's right. Yep. And we're three and four and we've lost four in a row and you've won two in a row. But, and the thing that always gets me is, nothing will surprise me. Like if you guys win 56 to nothing, or if we win 56 to nothing, neither one of those results will surprise me. hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. That's the sort of the, the nature of NFC South games. I think in general, you'll see that all year. Like I'm fully looking forward to you guys randomly punching the bucks in the mouth. (laughs) That that will probably happen because it will be unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. Just like when we went 15 and one, y'all, y'all are the ones that beat us in the regular season. Exactly. We ran rough shot over everybody else, but we couldn't beat you guys. (laughs) And I mean, it's just, that's the way it goes. And it's always been that way. Yeah. Like ever since the NFC South was created, those games, between all four of us have always been crazy. Yeah. I love it because uh, you can sort of throw out the stats and the matchups and just say, okay, these are division games are going to go sideways and it makes it more, more interesting, more fun. Um, But you guys have been in the headlines a little bit. And uh, I want to ask you about this because you wrote about it. Um, I happen to agree with you, but obviously the talk around Deshaun Watson, and the rumors obviously were tied primarily to the Dolphins. But then after Sunday, really, I think it started Sunday afternoon. Um, the rumors. I think, yeah, I think it actually started at about 2.30 p.m. <laughs> uh, if you want to be specific. Right. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, right around the, the midpoint of the Panthers game. The, the rumors really flared up that the Panthers were in the running to get Deshaun Watson, and you uh, were very, very adamant that they should not make that move. Um, tell me why, and uh, 
and it looks like at this point, it, it looks like it will be Miami if that deal does get done. And clearly there's a whole set of circumstances, but why not the Panthers? Why, why did you feel like that was the wrong move uh, for this franchise? Okay. It's, it's a very complicated and multi-layered thing. So uh, I'm going to say, first off, I think Deshaun Watson is a scumbag. Mm. Um, now my personal opinion does not really matter in the grand scheme of should the Panthers do this or should they not do this, but I want to put it on the record. I've done it on Twitter. I, I just want it to be out there that I do not want Deshaun Watson on my favorite football team. I think he is a scumbag. I don't care if he's guilty or not guilty in a court of law. Uh, and that's the one thing I'm going to rebut that people have been saying it, he hasn't been found guilty yet. Well, that doesn't really matter. Uh, the NFL right. quarterback position and your spot on a 53 man roster in the NFL is not predicated upon your guilt or innocence in the court of law. That's right. That is irrelevant. Like it doesn't matter if he's guilty or not, but there are 23 people that are claiming he has done things, illicit things, terrible things. And I'm not going to go through the things that he's being accused of again. I mean, everybody knows it at this point, but 22 of them have filed civil suit against him and 10 of them are, are criminal cases. There's a lot of smoke there. And, you know, when we say when there's smoke, there's fire, there's a lot of smoke there. And at first I thought, well, okay, he's been, critical of the Texans. He keeps saying he wants out. Apparently Jack Easterby is a well-known petty individual. Maybe, maybe this story is Houston trying to throw dirt on him to make him look bad. Right. But then more and more and more women came forward. Yeah. And then uh, Jenny, I'm going to give a shout out to Jenny Vrentis from Sports Illustrated, who has been doing some phenomenal reporting on this story. Uh, if you haven't, go read her recounting of all of this, uh, and you will know basically every fact there is to know about this, this story. Uh, the first complaints happened before Deshaun Watson started complaining about Houston's front office. So it's not that like, it's not, yeah, the, the timing doesn't match up. Tank, you know, they're not trying to smear him. Uh, it's, I'm not saying he's guilty because I'm not a judge and I'm not a jury, but I don't need him to be guilty to know that I don't want him anywhere near the Panthers. I would mm -hmm. rather watch them lose 25 to three to the giants with Sam Darnold <laughs> every week than root for Deshaun Watson as my quarterback, I just, uh, now if he is found innocent and when I say innocent, I mean, innocent, like if all 23 of these women come out and recant their story and say that they were being deceitful and it was a big scheme to get money from Deshaun Watson, then we can talk. But until then, I just, I can't in good conscience, you know, I have a wife, I have a daughter. I can't in good conscience root for a guy like Deshaun Watson. I just can't do it. And, you know, even putting all that aside, even if he didn't do these things, or even if these, these accusations weren't, weren't out there, he's, he it's too expensive for the Panthers to, to trade for him. Like they would have to give up multiple first round picks, right? It would cost them. I, I believe his cap hit next year is $35 million and it's 30 over $30 million for the next three years in a row. Mm -hmm. It would eat up the cap. 
Uh, they wouldn't be able to pay guys like, uh, you know, JC Horn. They wouldn't be able to pay DJ Moore. They wouldn't be able to pay, um, you know, uh, Brian Burns. They wouldn't be able to pay Derek Brown. They wouldn't be able to pay uh, any of their, these rookies and young players that they're building this core around when they are up for contracts, we would have to let them go. And then what we would end up with is we would end up with the Deshaun Watson that the Houston Texans have had for the last couple of years. It would right. just be in China instead of Houston. And it's not worth the price. Yeah. So, you know, even, even if he were a stand-up guy and even if, if none of the other stuff had happened, I just don't see that he's the right fit for us. Now, if Miami wants to play that game, then by all means play that game. But the big risk that you're taking is Roger Goodell could suspend him for two seasons tomorrow. Right. At a moment's and notice. You, yeah. At a moment's notice. And you will lose instantly every little bit of value that you had when you made the deal. So it's just a, a big risk. And I, 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 for one, I hope my team isn't the one that's going to make it. Yeah. And it looks like it, they won't be. And um, obviously, you know, the, the Panthers are a division rival, but I'll be honest. I don't want to see Deshaun Watson um, in the NFC. I don't want to, st- I really, at this point, given all the allegations, I'm, I'm sort of with you. I don't, I personally don't owe him le- anything legally. Um, yeah. I don't owe him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I think, as you said, there is more than enough smoke there for me to think that something terrible happened. And that's enough for me to say if, and and he's got Atlanta roots. Like he had connections to the Falcons. Um, and I wish they didn't exist. Um, I don't yeah, want I mean, any guy like that. Three hours from my house. So yeah. I mean, yeah. So you, play, you know, exactly. College for my dad's favorite college football team. So, I mean, it's, you know, he's a local hero around here, but yeah. I, I, it's just too much. And like you said, I don't owe him a thing. He doesn't, he doesn't have to be innocent for me. Right. I'm not, I'm not the law. I'm not the judge. I'm just a guy that doesn't want him on my football team. Yeah, I, I hear you. Completely respect it. Uh, and I'll probably rile up some listeners uh, in, in what we said, but I'll be honest, I don't care. Uh, that is uh, where I stand on that. Um, but I want to ask you now, let's talk about the Panthers, the actual team. As you mentioned, uh, they've lost four in a row. Uh, I want to start with the offense. And because uh, I think probably this is where a lot of the issues lie. Um it's funny because before the Falcons hired Arthur Smith, one of the names we were hearing connected was Joe Brady as a potential head coaching candidate. Um, and it sounds like uh, right now, a lot of Panthers fans are upset um, with him, with, with Darnold, with the offensive line. Um, so when you're watching the team, you're seeing how this is going down. What is going on with the offense right now? Is it one guy? Is it all the pieces uh, what's the story here? Okay. It, it's a combination of things. Uh, I'm going to b- put the blame um, from one to three, one being the most to blame, three being the least. Uh, that would be Sam Darnold, the offensive line, and Joe Brady. Mm. Um, and then, well, I would put the the wide receivers between the offensive line and Joe Brady if I would stretch that out to four. Um, Joe Brady is not really the problem. I mean, he's calling decent plays at the right time, but the, the team just can't execute the plays. Like, I mean, it's it's not Joe Brady's fault that we had six drops two weeks ago. It's not Joe Brady's fault that we had four or five drops last week. Mm-hmm. It's not Joe Brady's fault that Sam Darnold has forgotten 
that he got traded from from the Jets. Like it's not <laughs> Joe Brady's fault that the offensive line refuses to stand in the way of the pass rush coming towards Sam Darnold. You know, none of those things are Joe Brady's fault. I mean, there are little nitpicks because everybody hates their offensive coordinator. Let's let's get that straight. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it if if you call a running play on third and one and they don't get a first down, everybody blames the offensive coordinator. I mean, it's just part of the job. But Sam Darnold and I don't want to say that he's he's not redeemable, but he's getting to that point. Like the first three weeks of the season, he was pretty good. Like he, it looked like that the Jets were the problem, specifically Adam Gase, right? The problem with Sam Darnold, and we saw a guy that, I mean, he was throwing for over three hundred yards. He was he was he was leading the league in rushing touchdowns at one point. <laughs> before Derrick Henry started being Derrick Henry and but the wheels started to slowly fall off and there's a pattern because the first three games of the year we played we played the Jets and then we played the Saints but it was that week that they didn't have like eight or nine of their position coaches Mm -hmm. and they were missing two or three of their starters Uh, it was the week they had the big COVID hit Uh, you know we played them that week so you can't really that's not really a saints game. Like that's a, like half of the saints game. Yeah. And then we played the Texans and the Texans are a disaster. Uh, the jets are a disaster. So it was kind of a, it, it's hard to judge how good we really were because of the quality of, uh, of opponents we had. And then when, when we played Dallas and Sam Darnold started making mistakes because we had a team on the other side that was actually good at playing defense, you started to think, well, maybe, maybe he's not really better. Maybe he's turning back into a pumpkin. Maybe he's, you know, maybe he really is the guy that the jets gave up on. And then when we played the Eagles and the Vikings, he kept getting worse. And then when we played the giants last week, I've, I don't think I've ever seen, aside from Jimmy Clausen, I don't think I've seen a Panthers quarterback as bad as he was. Oh, wow. Like, like it was, it reminded me of the Jimmy Clausen, Randy Fasani, Chris Winkie. Like it reminded me of dark days back when we couldn't do anything. And I mean, we benched him for PJ Walker, and PJ Walker he just, he sucked in a different way. Like it was, it was (laughs) like, it was different because it was PJ Walker, but it was the same because he still wasn't that good. Like he was three of 14 for 30 yards or something like that uh, in limited action. And Darnold was, I don't remember how many passes he completed, but he only threw for like 120 yards. If it was that much. Um, Robbie Anderson has forgotten how to catch. Uh, DJ Moore struggling with drops. And and part of that is that Darnold is not staying in the pocket, delivering the ball in the right place at the right time. Uh, we've watched, you know, watched some of these games and he's playing like he's afraid to throw his receivers open. Mm. Like he's waiting for them to get wide open before he makes the decision to throw. And you can't do that in the NFL. No. You can get away that in the in the Pac-12 at USC when you're playing you know Arizona or whatever but you can't do that against 
uh, an NFL defense. You can't do even even a team like the Giants, who were one in five at the time. They still have professional players on that team. It, you have to know how to to throw with anticipation and to know what the what to do when the when the play breaks down. And you know the offensive line catches a lot of flack, but they they haven't really been as bad in the last couple of weeks as you would think they were based on how bad Darnold has been. Um, like in the first play of the Vikings game, he threw an interception or it might've been the Eagles game. I don't know. They're all a blur. Uh, it was one of the two. Uh, he threw an interception on the literal first play of the game. And he had, I think it was five and a half or six seconds behind the offensive line to make a play. And he threw it right to the defender, like right into his arms. Oh my word. And yeah, I, it's stuff like that. Like he would have done that with the jets. Yeah. And you know, and it, we're, we're starting to lose hope. And, you know, like, like we said uh, earlier, that's when, you know, on Sunday, the, the Deshaun Watson stuff started coming out because I mean, David Tepper was in, was watching this, the game last week against the Vikings. Cause it was at home and he just looked like a guy that regretted everything he had ever, he had ever done in his life. <laughs> And, you know, he wants to win and he has said he wants to build a winner. And I'm worried that his patience is starting to run out and he may go all Jerry Jones and demand a move be made before the trade deadline next week. And, you know, I I just don't know what we're going to do. I don't, I'm at the point where Sam Darnold is not the answer. Like that's obvious, but we've already picked up his fifth year option. Uh, so we have him next year unless we can trade him, and I don't think anybody would take him. And the the quarterback class in this year's upcoming draft doesn't look very good. It's certainly not, it's as not good inspiring, as right? It's not inspiring. There's like two guys that may or may not be okay, but um, one of them is the kid from North Carolina. But for all we know, he could be the next uh, Mitch Trubisky. Like, right. he might not any good and. It's just uh, we're going to see ourselves like we always do um, before and now after Cam Newton, except for that little stretch, we're going to be in an endless cycle of not having a quarterback. And it's not fun. Yeah. Um, It's interesting you say that, you know, with Atlanta this year, there was a lot of talk about using that number four pick to grab a quarterback because, um, you know, many people felt like, Hey, if you've got the opportunity to get one, you should. Uh, I, I made that myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and on the flip side, I think there's a reason that older quarterbacks have their careers extend longer and longer. It's because the the hit and miss rate with quarterbacks in the draft is like, I mean, like Darnold. Um, at this point, you can sort of count on the Jets grabbing a quarterback every two years and <laughs> trying them out to see if if it was the franchise that you know really ruined them, if they were a decent quarterback, but it sounds like that experiment has not gone well in Carolina. And I'm looking at the stats. This has to be wrong, but is it true? 18 sacks over this losing streak mm-hmm. um, given up by the Panthers offensive line. I, I, if I remember right, they are 31st in the league um, as far as uh, the, the pass rush and, and giving up sacks, which is not a great place to be. Um, what is it with the offensive line in Carolina? It seems like you guys have – I would say the last time I remember you having a good offensive line was 2015 when you went to the Super Bowl. Um, past that, it seems like it's really just been a constant struggle. You guys have had some players you know, come through like Norwell and Trey Turner 
uh, guys that have moved on to other teams at this point. But uh, is that one of the bigger stories here is just sort of the, the continuous um, subpar play with the, uh, the guys up front? That's, yeah, that's a big part of it. Uh, one of the things that we're dealing with, uh, we have a lot of injuries like Cam Irving, and I know Cam Irving isn't that great, but he's been hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had a, ro- a, re- a revolving, rotating door at both guard spots. We signed Pat Elfline on like the first, like the first 30 seconds of the free agent window. We signed Pat Elfline and he's been injured. He hasn't been uh, he hasn't lived up to standard. Like we've got guys coming in off the practice squad playing meaningful snaps mm. on the offensive line. Um, the only real uh, solid guy we have right now that has been consistent has been Taylor Moten, our right tackle. Your right tackle, yeah. And it, you know the right tackle is the least important tackle as far as pass protection is concerned. Uh, he's been great. Um, but another key thing that we really don't talk about that much as far as the offensive line is concerned, uh, Christian McCaffrey has been out since week three. Uh, right. He messed up his hamstring in the middle of that game. And the instant impact from that, our offense slowed down to a crawl against Houston. And luckily we had a big enough lead where it didn't matter. But ever since then, our offense has struggled. And he's not back there to be – you know, the guy to pick up the extra man. Uh, he's not the uh, – Sam Darnold doesn't have the security blanket, the hot route, the the check down. He doesn't have any of those. iPhone 12 Pro. Oh, that was weird. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, but anyway, um, but, you know, he doesn't have that because Christian McCaffrey's not playing. And we have – our backup running back's a rookie, Chuba Hubbard. He cannot catch – uh, Sam will throw it and it will hit him in the face mask and bounce off. Oh God! He has bricks for hands. Uh, he, he is great when you get him in space and he can, he can run cause he's very fast. Like he's a track athlete, like a legitimate track athlete, but he can't catch. Mm. And we need a running back that can catch. And until Christian McCaffrey comes back, we don't have that. And the offensive line with the, combination of injuries and inexperience and guys rotating in and out. It's just all been a collective mess, Mm, man. And I mean, you're at three and four, it's not the end of the world yet, but it feels like it sounds like it's spiraling at this point. (laughs) Yeah. It's quickly spiraling. Ooh. All right. Well, I do want to talk about the defense because I think there's an interesting matchup here with the Falcons offense um, with some, some of the guys the Falcons have got that are getting hot at, I think at the right time. Uh, But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down. We break down who will be cutting Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. 
It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is Dave Walker. I'm joined by Brad Smith at Cat Scratch Reader, uh, the managing editor there. And we're talking about the Carolina Panthers and the upcoming game uh, between the division rivals. Uh, and this one is going to be interesting because... Uh, both teams are sort of on different trajectories right now. Uh, the, the Panthers losing four uh, in a row, the, the Falcons having won three of their last four and two in a row. Um, and yet, you know, a lot of this is they, there are still question marks with, with both teams. You know, the Falcons have won against some bad teams. Uh, you know, they beat the Giants, they beat the Jets and the Dolphins. And those are not exactly the class of the NFL. <laughs> um, at the same time, uh, the Panthers have uh, lost four in a row and, and lost to the Giants this past weekend in, in a really painful, uh, ugly game. I think it was 25 to three. Was that the final score? Yeah, that was the final score. Uh, yeah. It was three to nothing in the first quarter, and then it was 25 to three, three miserable hours later. <laughs> it, was, it was actually at halftime, it was five to three. Five to th- that is a hell of a football score. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we had a safety because Sam Darnold committed uh, intentional grounding in the end zone. Oh, my word. Um, my goodness, Brad. I, f- I feel like I should apologize for making you talk about the team. <laughs> <laughs> I do kind of feel like you owe me an apology. <laughs> if you ever come to Atlanta, I'll buy you a beer. How's that? <laughs> um, all right. So the the matchup I want to talk a little bit about is – this Falcons offense and this Carolina defense, Carolina, I I feel like um, the defense has got some players. They've got guys who, you know, can potentially match up with the Falcons. I'm looking at your, your corners uh, guys like Dante, you know, Dante Jackson, AJ Bouye um, and how they match up, you know, potentially with guys like Calvin Ridley and and Russell Gage. Um, You know, my curiosity is with the pass rush because um, you know, right now you guys have, uh, on paper, really good pass rush. But when I was looking at it, it was like 14 sacks in the first three games. Brian Burns, Hassan Reddick have four sacks and six and a half sacks, respectively. Um, but in the last four games, you guys have four sacks total. Um, so it seems like that has fallen off um, a little bit in, in recent weeks. Um, and then the linebackers and safety. So give me, give me an idea of what this defense is like. Is it a, a defense that still wins up front? Um, are Burns and Reddick the guys they're going to sort of terrorize from the edge? Um, or is does this unit still have some issues, uh, especially maybe at safety linebacker? Uh, what, what's your read on the, the Panthers' defense? Okay. Um, well, the first three weeks were great because we had everybody on the field at the same time. Mm. Um, we lost J.C. Horn to a broken foot. Right believe in week four against Dallas and Dallas, their offense is really good. Dak Prescott is really good at getting the ball out quickly. So it was, that's, they mitigated our pass rush by attacking it head on. Um, And that's really the way to beat us 
um, on defense is to just attack us head head on face to face, like counter our speed with speed of your own. Right. Um, we you can get Hassan Reddick and Brian Burns on the edge to over pursue. Uh, we saw that against the Giants. Daniel Jones somehow looked like you know Michael Vick against this <laughs> for whatever reason, but. Um, part of the problem that, that we've seen over the last couple of weeks, Shaq Thompson hurt his foot. So he's been out for a couple of weeks. We're hoping to have him back on Sunday against the Falcons. Uh, it's not, it's not a guarantee, but he has been practicing this week. So we're hopeful, uh, JC Horn's out for the year. Uh, he's was our number eight overall draft pick and was looking like a really good lockdown corner. Mm -hmm. Uh, he had, you know, teams weren't even throwing over, and his direction and which speaks volumes for a rookie. Um, they weren't even testing him. Uh, so we, we lost the ability to shut down one receiver, which was giving Hassan Reddick and Brian Burns time to find space, you know, in, in, in the gaps when, when the quarterback had to make several reads, they had more time to get into the backfield. And we don't have that much, much time as we did. Um, you know, and hopefully we, we signed or we traded for Stefan Gilmore. He's eligible to play this Sunday. So hopefully we'll see him and he will be able to replace JC Horn in that role. And we will return to, you know, having more time to get to the quarterback. Uh, I, I think if we can get Gilmore out on the field, that it will at least help you know, mitigate your wide receivers because you do have quality wide receivers uh, and you also have one of the best tight ends in the league. Um, at least in my opinion, I was mad that you drafted Kyle Pitts. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about Lee Smith. No, you were talking I, about Kyle Pitts. Okay. Yeah. I wanted us to draft Kyle Pitts, um, but you know, we didn't. And, uh, you know, if, if we can get some consistency at corner, like Dante Jackson has been playing well. He's in a contract year. He's been playing well. Uh, but if we can get some consistency on the other side uh, to replace J.C. Horn, and if we can get Reddick and Burns more time to get into the backfield, I think our defense will improve. Um, but part of it also has been that, you know, they've been on the field so much because our offense has gone three and out, three and out, interception, three and out, fumble, punt, three and out, three and out, over and over and over again. It sets and up your defense. It sets up our defense in a position to fail. Um, our punter's on injured reserve. We've had a backup punter who can't punt. No. And so the Giants, I think their average starting field position was midfield. So, you know, when that happens, you – when you're constantly on the field and you're defending a short field, you don't really have a chance to be successful because even the worst offenses in the NFL will succeed if you give them, you know, where they only have to go 35 yards to score. Right. And they get to do it multiple times in a row. You know, even the worst team, like just pick a terrible team like Jacksonville, or the Lions or the Dolphins, and they would even be able to put up points in that situation. So we've kind of shot ourselves in the foot uh, over the last three or four weeks, and it's not really our defense's fault that they're playing, you know, 900 snaps a game. Yeah. <laughs> That's an average number. Like, I right. don't have 
specific number, but that's that's a close guess. <laughs> that feels close um, from what I've seen. Um, on that note, the the Falcons' offense right now seems to be going through primarily two players, and it's it is not at all who you would expect. Um, uh, obviously, in the past two weeks, uh, Kyle Pitts has begun to live up to the ridiculous amount of hype. Um, and even this past week against the Dolphins, uh, going up against the quality safety and Eric Rowe uh, burned him. Uh, and I think the thing that really jumped out was when, um, oh my goodness, now I'm drawing a blank. The One of the top corners for uh, Miami uh, took him on and uh, all pro last year. And he beat him uh, as, as a tight end out wide, beat this corner and um, in at the end point of the game. And I think Kyle Pitts has turned into the weapon that we thought he might be. And it's maybe even more impressive than we thought. Um, so when you're looking at the safeties for the Panthers, um, and then of course the other weapon for the Falcons is Cordero Patterson, which I don't think anyone saw coming. Um, the guy is, is he's, it's ridiculous. The, the productivity he's had in Atlanta this year. Um, who do you think matches up with these two guys and, and what's your confidence level in their ability to limit them? Or do you feel like this game has to come down to consistently getting to Matt Ryan and taking him down? Uh, we're going to have to get to Matt Ryan and take him down. Um, I don't know if we have a safety uh, other than Jeremy Chin. I am looking. That's probably the one thing about this game that I'm really looking forward to is how will Jeremy Chin match up with Kyle Pitts? Hmm. I can't honestly cannot wait to see that play out. I I don't think I'm going to like what happens um, because I think <laughs> Kyle is arguably, you know, offensive rookie of the year right now. Uh, and I, I still hate that y'all drafted him, <laughs> <laughs> but like when we were, before we beat Washington last year and we were in line to be a third like the third overall pick, I was arguing we should draft Kyle Pitts, even really in our situation, even with Teddy Bridgewater. I was arguing that we should draft Kyle Pitts. I think he's that much of a game changer and like he's the next Kelsey and you don't see that very often. And I, I, he's, he's gonna, he's gonna be one of the best. Uh, he's going to be like Tony Gonzalez was for you guys. And I hate it, but <laughs> I also respect it and I respect his game and I'm really looking forward to seeing how we compete because if we can shut one of them down, but then we're going to leave our corners on an Island with Calvin Ridley and Corderell Patterson. And uh, what's your other guy gauge? Yeah. Russell gauge, Russell gauge. Uh, you know, that's four guys right there. And we haven't even talked about your running game. Like that's just, that's Matt Ryan's options in the passing game right there. And I don't know if we have enough depth to keep up with that. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. It, it feels like, you know, I'm looking on the paper and I actually think you guys match up pretty well um, with our receivers. Um, you know, Ridley has not got it going this year so far. Oh, don't worry. He will. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was, I was literally saying uh, this will be a, the game where Sam Darnold looks like an all pro. So <laughs> you can take that one back to cat scratch reader and tell him I sent yeah. you. Um, <laughs> but uh, this, this matchup in particular, I feel like, you know, the, the Panthers defense having uh, guys that can get to the passer 
The, the Falcons, by contrast, their offensive line um, is third in the league in giving up sacks. They've given up only nine on the year. And really, six of those happened in the first two games. So they've only given up, I believe, you know, three or four sacks over the past four games. Um, so they've really sort of solidified, surprisingly, with you know some young guys in the middle for the, the Falcons' offensive line. Um, and that's the matchup I'm, I'm sort of paying attention to. Is this can this Carolina pass rush disrupt a Falcons offensive line that's been getting slowly and steadily better? And if they don't, is there a guy that's going to shut down um, Kyle Pitts, a guy that's going to shut down, you know, Patterson, a guy that's going to shut down Calvin Ridley? And um, this is sort of the matchup I'm looking at. And I'll be honest, I feel like this may be a low scoring game. Uh, You know, the Falcons have been in the high 20s. You know, they scored 30 again this past weekend uh, over the past several weeks, uh, past several games they've played. I actually feel like Carolina may be the better defense than of any of the games we've played recently. And could potentially hold the Falcons, you know, into the 24 range, you know, below, maybe even lower than that, maybe, you know, closer to 20 points. Um, how do you see this one playing out now that we've talked about the offense, the defense? How do you think this game is going to play out on Sunday? Yeah, my my official score prediction that I wrote today, I, I believe that you guys are going to win because I just think we're in a spiral that we're not going to get out of. And like, you know, we've talked about this game, anything can happen. Right. I mean, we see a, a six to three defensive battle and we could also see a 51 to 49 shootout. <laughs> Neither would shock me, man. <laughs> would shock either one of us. Um, but I, I think you guys are going to win because it's, it's in Atlanta and we've been really bad in the, in the road game of, of the rivalry. Like we are, I want to say one in five in the last six and five in a row. Like we won the last time we were there, but we had lost the, the previous five. And for whatever reason, you guys always seem to be able to beat us when you're at home. And I just, I feel like this is going to be like you said, a lower scoring game. And I'm looking like 20 to 10, hmm. something like that. Cause I don't think we're going to be able to move the ball that efficiently because of all the problems we've had on offense. But I do think our defense will be decent enough to keep you from, you know, scoring 35 points or whatever. I, I just, I see this as like a 20 to 10 type game. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, I could see that happening, but like we said, this one is, it feels like it could go all over the map. Yeah. It's almost pointless to predict. And I'm right. <laughs> it's pointless to predict this game because you know, no matter what you think or what the stats say, like one of us could be undefeated and the other one could have a, a losing record and the team with a losing record will win. We've seen oh, that yeah. happen. Yeah, multiple like, times. It, yeah, multiple times over the years. It just doesn't matter. And yeah. when when both teams are struggling, which is seems to be frequently, uh, one of them will have their best day ever against the other. <laughs> yep. And there are numerous cases of – where like one of your guys has a career day and all of us, we're watching it. We're like, who is that guy? Right. <laughs> you guys had like a third round, our third string running back that rushed for like almost 200 yards on us one time. Uh, I can't remember his name now, but like in Europe, the, the Julio Jones 500 yard game. Oh yeah. Uh, where he basically put Ben, Ben Wickery out of the league. Uh, <laughs> and you know, it, those kind of things, they happen all the time between us and 
I, I expect something like that to happen again. Like, I, and it'll yeah. be somebody un, completely un, unknown and crazy. Yeah. Like your fifth wide receiver is going to score three touchdowns or whatever. <laughs> oh, like my Kyle goodness. Pitts will have one catch for eight yards. Yeah, exactly. And like, like the guy you bring up from the practice squad will, you know, rush for 250. Yeah. Blo- blocking tight end Lee Smith will have three receiving touchdowns in this game. That, that's <laughs> it would not surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brad, the 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 collective pain of the two franchises we talk about, I feel like is coming through clearly in this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Oh I man, mean, we 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 were talking about it. Um, I don't remember who I was talking about it with, but we really should just combine these two franchises. <laughs> And, and just just see what happens and oh. just you know in some suffering like i think if we took all of our best players and all of your best players we might go 500 <laughs> like, we, might, we might be good enough to to win eight well we can't go 500 now we might go nine right. and eight nine and eight um, <laughs> nine and eight with the collective franchise the best players yeah. collective franchise i love it Oh my goodness! Well, my only hope in that case would be that we still beat the hell out of the Saints. So, oh God, yeah, we, we would absolutely beat the hell out of the Saints. <laughs> All right, yeah, the Saints. We beat we beat the Saints in week two, and they they were quick to point out, well, we didn't have half of our people, and we were like, we don't give a shit. We still right, beat you. we still beat you. Still Doesn't matter. Count. Yeah, you you know they would be celebrating that the other way around. Oh, so. absolutely. Yeah, punch them in the mouth when you get the chance. Um, yes. All right, Brad, this was. Uh, a good time as always. I uh, appreciate you coming on the podcast and giving us a preview of the Panthers. Um, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you, what you have going on? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Beatups Mini. That's where I tweet um, unfunny jokes and commentary <laughs> about the Panthers. Uh, you can find me at, at Cat Scratch Reader. Uh, that's without the last E because Twitter had a character limit on apps and we didn't feel like changing it. Um, you can find me at catscratchreader.com under my real name, uh, where I am the managing editor there. And uh, you can also check me out on the Keep Sounding podcast, but not this week because I will not be there. Um, but, you know, you can give us a listen there. And um, that's pretty much where I stay. So, Excellent. Good deal. Um, as for you guys, you can follow me on Twitter at DW. Updates for this podcast at FalcoholicPod. And, of course, our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. So for Brad Smith, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time.